everybody. This is Jessie Lynn, and welcome back to the Be a Dreamcatcher podcast. Let me tell you, I have an exceptional guest with me today. You are going to love his story. Everything that he has to share is just going to be absolutely phenomenal. I would like for you all to make welcome my good friend, Mr. Jackson Brumley. How are you? I'm good, Jesse. Uh, how are you? And thanks for having me on here. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm doing fantastic. I am so excited that you took some time out of your busy schedule to well, join me. My pleasure. And uh, we actually are recording here in uh, Henderson. Andersonville, Tennessee, um, at a good friend of yours house yes. that we just uh, spent quite a bit talking about some of his video production and all of that. Movie so production. Yes. Yeah. And so there's there's celebrities all around, but the biggest one I see sitting in front of me. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit about this new <clears throat> podcast that I'm doing. It's called Be a Dream Catcher. So we really focus on what was it like or, you know, what was it like being able to go out there and catch your dreams? So I would like for you just to tell everyone a little bit about your story and then also you have a rich family history yes. in the music business i would love for you to tell us about that as well so i'm going to turn it over to you well okay well first of all uh you know i grew up around gospel music my dad wrote i'll fly away and about seven eight hundred gospel songs <laughs> and uh and so i grew up around that and uh, back in the mid 60s when i was only eight years old I met Buck Owens, and he hired me to run his talent agency. I was eight years old. Wow. And I was a child prodigy, and I was here I was booking Merle Haggard and Wynn Stewart and all these people. Because I might have been a little bit older than eight. but Right. But, it, you you know, it, it's, hey, it's, we're, we're not going to, we're not sharing age on this, yeah, on this sounds, show. It so. sounds pretty good to yeah. say I was an eight-year-old uh, prodigy. Absolutely. But anyway, so uh, he had a company in Bakersfield. My brother Tom was his steel player. He played on all of Buck Owens' hits, Together Again, Crying Time. Yeah. All those great hits, the Bucks, and, and uh, he was known as one of the best steel players had ever lived. But, um uh, so through him, I met Buck, and he hired, called me and offered me a job to move to Bakersfield right. from southwest Missouri, right, uh, Neosho, Missouri area, and uh, out to Bakersfield to manage his talent agency, and I did. So, and I've been in the agent management business ever since. And, uh, right. So uh, after spending several years with Buck, uh, I came to Nashville while I handled, represented Loretta. Lynn nice. And then I uh, moved back. Merle came into town taping no Johnny Cash shows they used to have on the right. CBS. And he asked me to move out to Bakersfield and book him again. So I did. And Right. And after that, I managed Ricky Nelson for seven or eight years and uh, uh, his agent and his manager. And then I helped put together an act named David Fazell and Shelley West. Oh, well, you know, David, you know. <laughs> they had you to read God, Middle Oklahoma, and Jose Cuervo yes. and all that stuff. And uh, they was on a label that was owned by Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we recorded everything in L.A., and he used to come to all of our sessions and hang out. And so, and we did a Christmas party for him. And so that's my career in a nutshell. Well, that's a good nutshell to have. And um, I forgot to tell you this earlier. Those microphones are very sensitive. So right now we have a percussion session going on. Well, well, <laughs> you're good. No, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's something that I can uh, tune out in the background. Okay. This is the best part about it. Okay. So I've had folks ask me, how do you do this podcast on the road? You know, for so long in COVID, yeah. I was having, um, when we started, and I actually started this uh, this year, um, 
I started doing Bluetooth um, the phone calls. Yeah. But I love this little setup. I will say that one thing I've got to figure out is how to not get our percussion session going. Yeah, but well, um, especially someone like me. Well, well, we're very. Um, we talk with our hands a yeah, lot, we and do. I have to sit on mine yeah. sometimes, <laughs> especially when you're sitting here talking about Buck Owens, Loretta Lynn, one of my idols. Yeah. I, I mean, tell me what. Just this is a question that runs through my mind. What was it like? Because I'm I'm sure everybody's wondering. You got to go and help manage Loretta Lynn and David Fursell and I mean all of these major names. What was that like for you in your career? Just well, you know, at the time it was just a job, and uh, and uh, I didn't really uh, realize. I guess I was being actually a part of history, but I didn't really realize it at the time. Right. You know, because these people, some of these people, that's just Buck, Buck and Merle and Loretta are, and Ricky Nelson are really historical. Yeah, uh, major. People, major people, and uh, and I was just a part of it, and uh, and it, it looked glamorous on the outside, but it's not it, glamorous. It's not. You know, it's a lot it, of work. It's, it's got a lot of headaches, ups and downs, egos to deal with. Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, so it's not near as glamorous as it looks. Well, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sure anything that's worth having is not going to be yeah. easy by yeah, any means. Right. Um, but to actually say that that is, you know, Merle and Loretta and, and Buck and Ricky Nelson and uh, David Frizzell, I had an opportunity to meet David about two years ago. We were over um, near the Opry, actually, yeah. and he was playing a show over there. Um, at the theater and we walked in and I can't tell you how long we actually sat and talked with him and his wife and um, it was just it it was phenomenal to hear the stories and really this is what this podcast is about is the storytelling Um, unfortunately I think today in in a lot of today's history alone and just in the world of fast technology folks don't take a time to sit down and listen to a story right um Stories have lessons in them, and they have that amazing nostalgic piece, and then especially one like yours. Yeah. Um, the career aspect of just kind of jumping into it, right, you know, head first, um, going all gung-ho at the beginning, what a treasure. Yeah. I mean, what a phenomenal memory piece to carry with you, and, and not only in your legacy, yeah. but in your career. Um, during that time, I, I like to ask folks this, um, what is one piece of advice that you wish you would have told your younger self early on? And then what is a piece of advice that you would tell yourself today? Well, let me think about that. Okay. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I was at that question a while back, and I couldn't think of an answer. And later on, I I thought of what I should have said. And now I'm having trouble remembering what, what I thought of. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> but, but I did, uh, you know... Um, um, I think for, for especially for entertainers, it's really important to, uh, and I think it's probably in any career, but it's really important to be uh, who, who you surround yourself with. Right. People involved in your career, and uh, and um, it's just really important to surround yourself with good people. Yeah. And it sounds like in your early years, you were surrounded by some pretty good folks. Uh, I was surrounded by some good people, and some of the people I represented sometimes weren't. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> Even though you hate to say it, but and, and it's it was, true. And it was a battle sometimes, you know. But, right. Uh, but really, it's really important uh, uh, to surround yourself with good people and listen to them and uh, and make sure that somebody is credible, has credibility, and has a experience and knows what they're doing and somebody you can trust 
absolutely and that goes not just only for the music business and right. and this is this is what i want everybody to understand you know even though we're we're talking primarily music and yeah. and the business on on this session this is life lessons for everybody um and in the various fields that i've been involved in whether it's been rodeo music anything else i have found that that is very true um the good old saying of you are the company you keep is very true in many ways um so i'm glad to hear that reiterated from a different generation of music than and and from the business um Uh, go ahead no that's okay go ahead okay (laughs) No, you go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so it, you, you've had this amazing career, and it started very young for you. But yeah. actually, it started even prior to you, correct? Well, I grew up in it. Yeah. You know, I grew up in it. And, of course, my dad's writing all them songs, and, and I didn't, you know, we lived out in the country, and everybody shaped us were farmers. Yeah. And uh, and I knew dad wrote songs, and I knew some people, but I had no idea the impact his songs were having on people. Right. Uh, or the significance of his songs. Yeah. I just didn't realize, just a kid growing up, you know. It was we natural. Just took everything for granted. Right. You know, we, it, somebody milked cows, and dad wrote songs, and that was... That was it. That was it. That was it. Yeah. What I love about this story, so when you and I actually first met, we we had the opportunity to meet at a Ronnie McDowell show right. not long ago at the Donahoe Theater and Hotel. And later on, we um, you actually came to see a show that we did in Nashville yeah. on a very tornadic and stormy night. Right. <laughs> and one of the things that I absolutely loved is because you did grow up in the gospel yeah. music, and that is where my roots were planted and started was in the gospel really? music yeah. and you know to the fact that when when you said that your dad wrote i'll fly away at the beginning when you said that my my wow factor was engaged and it was one of those oh my gosh that's amazing yeah. well then as the several days passed by you think about that and the magnitude and how many times that song has been recorded i've recorded it me and my grandmother and her twin sister have over recorded nine thousand times over nine thousand yes and In every genre of music except i guess except opera Opera, yeah. And I'm going to try to pitch that to some opera singers here and get them to do a version I'm, of it. I might have a contact for really? you on that. I really yeah, might, yeah. yes. Um, so remind me when we I'll, get off the I air, will. I will, I will uh, pass that along to you. Because one of the greatest things, and, and that song especially was very um, near and dear to my heart because it was on my first ever self-produced yeah. album, A Softer yeah. Side of Country. And I had the opportunity to bring my grandmother and her twin sister in who had not been in a studio in over 30 years, but grew up doing all the big gospel yeah, conventions right. and uh, everything throughout the Midwest. And um, hearing their stories about um, the music business on the road with the gospel groups and just that piece and having that common connectivity and understanding what you're talking about is the neatest thing that that I just thought was amazing yeah. all the way around. And so I was so excited when you said that, yes, you do this podcast because it's one of those things that's very near and dear to my heart. And I, I wanted to share your story and then also your family story, which, cause it's just amazing. Um, so really did your dad just start out writing or just? No, I, well, I tell you, he grew up in, Southeast. He grew up uh, about 12 miles west of uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, around yeah. Spyro and Rock Island, Oklahoma. 
and uh, and it was ter- Oklahoma Territory at the time, 1905 when he was born. Wow! But he wrote his first song when he was 16 years old. He 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 went to every singing around he could get to. Yeah, uh, they used to have those singings the singings, around. Singings, yeah, the singings. And, and uh, so he went to all of them, and he developed an interest in the music. His dad played fiddle, and I understand he was a pretty good fiddle player. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. Uh, Dad wrote his first song when he was 16 called I Can Hear Them Singing Over There. And then uh, when he went off to Hartford Music School and learned to music, they, they published that song. Wow. Before I'll Fly Away was ever published. But but uh, so that wrote his first song. And then uh, uh, he got, uh, what what happened, uh, if you got a minute. Is, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, when he was 17 years old, he got on a bus and rode over to about 20 miles to Hartford, Arkansas, to mm-hmm. the Hartford Musical Institute, which was founded by E.M. Bartlett that wrote Victory and Jesus. Yes. And a bunch of other guys. Yes, I love that song. He was kind of a granddaddy. Of, uh, him and Virgil Old Stamps, kind of the granddaddy. The, the granddaddy piece, yeah. gospel music. And uh, so uh, <clears throat> he walked into his office, and he had no money, and— uh, E.M. Bartlett said, well, do you have money for tuition? He said, no. He said, do you have money for a place to stay? And he said, no. He said, well, you're going to go to my house and stay because you're going to this school. Mm-hmm. And Dad later said in an interview he thought E.M. Bartlett had heard something about his talent or something as we need to let him do that. Right. And so so uh, he went to that school, learned how to read shape note music, and he, and he became a, a teacher. He'd go out in the neighborhood in small towns, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma, and teach singing schools for yeah. two weeks. He'd stay in somebody's house and uh, teach uh, the local people how to read shape note music. Yeah. And so so uh, when he wasn't doing that, he was still picking cotton. Wow. So in 1928, he was out in that cotton patch, and he was, uh, there was a guy named Vernon Dalhart that in the 20s was like Elvis. Mm-hmm. And he had this big hit song called On the Wings of an Angel, Nicknamed the prisoner song. Right. And Dad was humming that song in that cotton patch, and that's when he got the idea. Well, the earth is prison, and I want to fly away from here. And and it took him three years later before he finished the song. Wow. In the meantime, he taught a school up in Missouri, Powell, Missouri, and met my mother and married her and moved up there. And when he finished it, Mom said, well, "Why don't you send it down to Hartford? Maybe they put one of them songbooks." He said, "Well, I don't know if it's good enough." <laughs> yeah. Is it good enough? <laughs> yeah. He didn't know if it was good enough. But, yeah. but anyway, they they did put that and two others, and they paid him $3 for those three songs. Wow. Put them in a song book, and then what they do, they give them a bunch of convention books, and they go to these singing conventions sell the books. That's how he made money. That's how them. Yeah, that was the modern-day royalty at the time. But back in 1948, he bought that Hartford Music Company and got all his songs back. Wow. So... What? He got it all back. But uh, but the first person to ever record it was a black pastor in Atlanta in 1940. Mm-hmm. And he re- used it as part of his sermon. It's on to- YouTube. It's just incredible to listen to. <laughs> we will have to check that check out. Check that out. I will see if I can find the link, and I will try to share it when we when we post the, this podcast. Yeah. Because th- this is the part that I, I want people to understand. The stories matter. Yeah. They matter. Well, well, what happened? Of course, then the Humbard family did it in the 40s. And in 1948, the truck wagon gang did it, and it sold a million copies. Wow. On Columbia Records. A million copies in 1948. That was a lot. A lot of money. <laughs> yes. But but anyway, it came so huge in the black community 
that it just, I mean, Aretha Franklin and Etta James Etta and John James. Legend and Kanye West and just every black person. And I have heard that in New Orleans, almost 100% of every black funeral, they use that song. Wow. You know, so uh, it's just huge in the black community. That is amazing. And, yeah. you know, they are they are now doing a new series called Aretha yeah. on, um, I think it's one of the streaming services, really? Netflix or Hulu. I have not seen it yet, but I would like to check I, it out and see if I it's a part of the series. You YouTube her, and not only did she record it, she recorded it for that Princess Di tribute album after Princess Di died. Yep. But she's uh, she's on YouTube several funerals she's singing it at. Yeah, that is gosh, that is so amazing. Yeah. It's this is what I love about this. Um, even though I hate, I never had the opportunity to meet your dad. Yeah. Obviously, you know, some years there between the, you know, <laughs> way back, way back. Um, but what I love is the fact that you can share these stories and experiences yeah. because I think again, what people miss is. They miss the fact of that somebody is tied to a legacy or a heritage yeah. that they it may go unseen. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like this is kind of that vault series that we get that exclusive yeah. inside look of um, what was it like growing up in the life of Jackson Bromley? And, you know, I guess here's a question. Did you ever have a dream or were you did you realize you were just living it your whole life later on? Well, <clears throat> I had some dreams I never pursued. I wish I had of. Mm -hmm. But uh, being an agent and manager, I did want to be in the music business. I didn't know how to get in this end of it. You know, I grew yeah. up in the Booneers, Missouri, and but uh, you know, it, it just so happened that uh, Buck and my brother Tom were down in Oklahoma City taping. I don't know if you ever seen the Buck Owens Ranch shows. Uh huh. Yep. It's taping some of those, and I took my mom and dad down there about a four-hour drive, and. Uh, Sitting around a big table in a holiday inn, and Buck joined us. And three days later, he called me up, offered me a job. Well, there you go. You might actually know a friend of mine. Does the name Guy Hall ring a bell? No, he played the piano. He did. Uh huh. And uh, did so for several, many years for Buck Owens. He did. Yeah. Guy Hall. Guy Hall. Wow. Um, he's now down in Alabama. Wow. Um, played keys for me for quite a bit when I was wow. first starting on the professional well, route. with Buck. I wonder. Uh, I'd have to remember. I'd have to call him up yeah. and ask him because yeah. um, it was one of those things of where when when you're when, what I call the new music baby yeah. <laughs> in the business, yeah. you run into how old a guy is he. Uh, he's he's an older gentleman. Yeah, I wonder if that was back before, back in the early late fifties, early sixties, or something. Might be, probably, yeah, yeah probably so. Yeah. But that, that that it's just amazing because yeah. you never know. It's a small world that yeah. we live in, yeah. and the the stories cross over somewhere. Well, you know, but the music community is uh, relatively kind of a. People it's, know each other, or right? Come across each other, or paths crossed. Or I something. told my mom so. As a kid, I always thought Nashville was this exclusive bubble that they only let certain people in, yeah. and it's so big. And you don't, you know, there's never going to be any way that you're going to meet anybody of importance, yeah. quote unquote. Well, when I started and and pursued my my dream professionally, I found out the music community was a lot smaller than yeah. I realized, yeah. and. It's it was one of those things of um, 
kind of an awe moment because what what is perceived from the outside is yeah. not the case on the inside. No. And I think that's a great interpretation of don't judge the book by the cover. Yeah. You've got to get inside to figure out yeah. what's actually going on. And that's one of the things that I enjoy about these chats with with anyone that I do on this podcast is because we get the story. We yeah. don't get just the cover. Yeah. We get the history. Um you had mentioned earlier a couple of dreams that you didn't pursue. Would you like to share what those were and maybe what stopped you from pursuing those dreams? You take a psychiatrist. <laughs> take a psychiatrist. I love it. For your psychiatric needs, call. Well, you see, I was the youngest son. I was, I was six, five boys and a girl, and I was the youngest son. And my oldest brother, they all have, they's all musical. And I was musical, but they always kind of, just kind of, yeah, pushed me aside a little bit. Always, I, I had the talent to be a singer. Yeah, and uh, but I never pursued it. And uh, this lack of confidence, I guess. And right. No, no encouragement. I guess something. I don't know. Yeah. Take a psychiatrist to explain it. <laughs> right. Well, you actually said a couple of things just there that that we actually dive into on this. What I have noticed with not just only kids but even adults, and yeah. you actually just touched on it, is. Um, a lot of folks look back and they know what they wanted to do, yeah. but there there was an encouragement. Yeah. There wasn't that confidence builder saying, right. "Hey, you can do it." Right. Um, even though you were right in the business, yeah. you still needed that extra boost to you get you going. Yeah. And this is one thing that um, actually Earlene Mandrell and I just talked about the other day was words matter, whether you say them or not. Um, sometimes, you sure do. sometimes yes. what goes unsaid. Yeah may need to be said. Yeah. Um, and I have found in some of the, the high school talks that I've done for um, freshmen all the way to yeah. college age kids, and then even some of um, some speeches and stuff that I have done at other events, I have found people knew what they wanted to do and they know what they want to do, yeah. but they're afraid to chase their dream yeah. because it's that unknown variable of, well, I'm all by myself because nobody thinks I can do this. Right. Or if they think I can do yeah. it, where's the resources? Right. And that's what really the goal of this podcast is, is to, to have people understand you can do it. And, and you know, you do it at any, at any age, too. I mean, yes. I mean with, with the uh, Internet now, people any age got to put some record up on TikTok, maybe have a hit with it. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> Ron, Ronnie McDowell's prime example, older yeah. women older hit women. How, many, how many views on TikTok what, what, the other day? That black guy uh, that had that, uh, what was that big song last year? Uh, Oh man, Lost Nos was his name. Had Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh yeah, it. yeah. Uh, Old Town Road. Old Town Road, yeah. and he that exploded off of TikTok. Yeah, off of TikTok. Yeah. It's this day and time. There's um, really no excuse yeah. for not going and chasing your dreams. Now, well, obviously, if, well, you, actually, I may put one up myself. You oh. know, you know, uh, back in the seventies, Mickey Yilly had a big hit song called "The Girls All Get Prettier at Closing Time." Yes. Well, I wrote one called I Get Prettier at Closing Time. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Do we get a preview here? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and it's going to be done kind of like at, uh, at format, kind of a. Yeah. Not rap, but uh, kind of a. A little up tempo yeah, rock, yeah, country yeah, rock yeah. mix. Yeah, and it's, feel. So it's really a good song. So, I love it. Yeah. I love the title already. Yeah. That's going to be the title of this show yeah. Jackson Brumley Gets Prettier at Closing Time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I won't do that to you, yeah. I promise. Yeah. But no, this this is what I love. This is um, 
folks, let me tell you something. This this is what life is about. Okay, yes, we have a phenomenal opportunity. I have a phenomenal opportunity to not only be sitting across from Jackson today, but to actually be asking him questions about this story. But here's the thing. The person sitting next to you at the office, the person next to you in the restaurant, they have a story too. You need to talk to them and, and have them share it. Encourage people because you never know one day who you might be helping. Yeah. And then the next day they may be pulling you up the rung mm-hmm. on the ladder. You never know. That's probably a good idea for a podcast. Have one said, what's your story? Yeah, absolutely. What's, what's the deal? Or you what's, you know, what's yeah, the everybody story? Everybody's got a story. What's your story? Yeah. And I think that we are missing a lot of that in today's society, unfortunately. I think everyone is a little self-absorbed, and everybody's all kind of on the me mentality, when in reality, we need to be thinking about others right. and and the we mentality um but this this is great so you do actually i'm glad you touched base on on this uh new title for a song um you have some new exciting things coming down the pipeline well i do I, I, a couple of few two or three things actually i'm starting a podcast yay and it's going to be called i'll fly away the rest of the story and it goes into how dad became the songwriter he became and and how he wrote that song, and how it's it's known all over the world. It's been been translated into over forty languages. Wow! And uh, I mean, it's just known all over the world, and wow. it's impacted people everywhere, you know. And mm-hmm. I've, I've had so many people. They sang it at my granddaddy's funeral, or I mean, just all kinds of anecdotal stories people have about that song. Yeah. And so. Uh, so we're going to be talking about all that and interviewing people. I'm going to be interviewing um, people that have recorded that song, and people like Dolly Parton and John Legend and Wow, Bruce Springsteen and uh, it's going Keith to be a Urban celebrity people. Song. <laughs> I'm hoping they'll they'll do. It. I've already I've already interviewed Dwayne Allen, the Oakridge Boys, and Ronnie McDowell, and uh, five. And I got. Uh, Dennis Quaid standing by. He's ready to do one for me. Nice. He just recorded "All Fly Away" on an album. Nice. And did a gospel album, and so, so people like that. I'm going to be interviewing, and uh, then um, of course, in the podcast, I'll go into whatever they're doing these days too. Anything they want to talk about. But, yeah. But uh, I just want to get, and I always like to get the opinion of why they think "All Fly Away" has become the song it has become. Right. In their opinion, what, what is it that did that? What drew people to it? What? Yeah, and, yeah. And they're still there kicking. I mean, it's all the time. We get weekly requests from movies or television or recordings or something. Yeah, something to do it one yeah, way or yeah. the other. Because he wrote out those Turn Your Radio On. Yeah. And, and uh, Jesus Home Hand, I'll Meet You in the Morning. So a lot of songs. And uh, so. And I just interviewed Ray Stevens. And oh, Bill, nice. Bill, Bill Anderson. And, oh, Whispering Bill. Tell Bill I said hello, please. Uh, well, <laughs> and uh, also uh, the Bellamy Brothers and uh, Marty Rabin of the uh, Shenandoah. Shenandoah, yeah. I met Marty um, about four years ago. We were um, helping promote a show um, talking about the songwriters. Yeah. Um, I think it's Songwriter's Dream is the name yeah. of the show. And uh, Linda Davis, Marty Rabin, and... Um, Oh, who else did we have on that show? Where were you? We were actually in uh, Troy, Alabama. Really? Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago. Um, Teddy Gentry from Alabama. Teddy there Gentry, we go. Yeah. Yep. Teddy and them were on that show as well. And uh, it's great. So you've got the podcast that's and, coming up. And then we're working on a feature film. Nice. 
feature film. It's kind of like Old Brother Where Art Thou Meets La La Land. Oh, I love it. It's a musical with dad songs. And actually, I'm going to take the credit. My idea. My there you go. Yes. Uh, 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 I thought at one time I was trying to get a movie made. Did you ever see The Apostle? I have not, but I've heard it's good. It was good. Robert Duvall. It's yes. just a nice little movie. And I always yes. thought if a movie about dad, it'd be about a movie about like that, you know? Yeah. But a friend of mine said, you need to go see La La Land when it came out. Right. When I walked out, I said, what if we did a musical? Like that, yeah. Because I thought it it could be a much bigger movie. Yeah, absolutely. So So we've got the podcast. We're working on the documentary. And the documentary. Oh, my gosh. It's really going to go into how Dad got hit, you know, in detail of how he became a writer, what happened in his life. Wow. That is astounding. Yeah. So a lot of stuff on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything, because I know we're getting kind of close here on time, um, anything that you would like to tell anyone about, you know, going out there, catching your dreams, and then um, just anything else that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing, I, you know, is I always thought when it came to my dream, I, I got 30 years old, I thought, well, I'm too old now. Yeah. And I get 40, I said, you know, I had all this time. Mm-hmm. I had 10 years. And then you get a little bit older, you look back. At 40, you think you're too old. I'm definitely too old now. But you're never too old. <laughs> no, you're I never mean, too old, no. Never, just do it, you know, and whatever happens, happens. So pursue your dream at any age. Uh, uh, I tell someone, somebody, people 30 think they're old. Right. <laughs> That's not old. <laughs> they're no. not old. they got no. plenty of time. But on the other hand, it passes really fast. Yes, it does. And the older you get, the faster it goes. Right. So, but if you're 30 or 40 or 50 years old or something you want to do, go do it. Go do it. I love it. Well, Jackson, thank you so very much. This has been fantastic, folks. I hope you have enjoyed today's podcast. This has just been a real treat. Be sure to look out for Jackson's new podcast. Now, do you have a release date of when that no, may we start think airing? Sometime in August. But sometime it'll be in everywhere. August. Okay. Fantastic. Well, it's called I'll Fly Away, the rest of the story. I'll Fly Away, the rest of the story. I am excited to hear this, and hopefully you will, you know, schedule a little pee on me on there to, to talk about uh, why we chose yeah. that song to put on the first album, right. and we do it almost about in every show. So um, thank you so very much for joining us today. And uh, hopefully when you get all that launched and get into it, we can have you back yeah. and do an update. And folks, if you want to keep up with everything here on the Be a Dreamcatcher podcast, make sure you subscribe to us on Spotify podcast and Apple podcast. We also on Facebook under Be a Dreamcatcher and would love to connect with you guys. We're also on Instagram under the same handle. We thank you all so much for joining us today, Jackson. Thank you. And we will see you again soon. Thank you. All right, everybody have a great day. You've been listening to the Be a Dreamcatcher podcast and I'm your host, Jesse Lynn.